Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Jacob C Podcast. This is your brother, Yamayahu Yasharel. The following podcast you're about to hear is a phone conversation that I had with the sister Only Love Chica Austin, the author of Prophetic Whirlwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, which is available now on Amazon as a um, as a book form as well as a Kindle form. You can also follow her on all her social media at Prophetic Whirlwind. You can also go to propheticworldwind.com to support her ministry. I promise that you will enjoy every minute of this phone conversation. Thank you again for supporting Jacob C. Podcast. And wherever you're listening to this podcast at, I ask that you subscribe, like, and share. Thank you. And as always, seek truth, live it out, and inform others. Thank you again for joining another episode of Jacob Seed Podcast. Uh, we have a special guest with us today on the phone lines. It is only fully it is only love Austin, aka Chica. She is the uh, she is the author and founder of um, Prophetic Whirlwind. Um, is it discovering the the black identity? I get that right. It's the Black Biblical Destiny. The Black Biblical Destiny. And you can find that um, on Amazon right now. Welcome, sister, to the podcast. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I am doing awesome. Um, Again, thank you for calling in and joining the podcast. I know I have a lot of my listeners who are followers of yours, fans of yours, myself included. I just want to start off, um, first of all, just uh, give us a little bit of background about yourself, um, where you come from, um, how you came into the truth, and I guess how um, how, the, how you got connected with what you're doing, how, how the Most High gave you this uh, desire to do what you're doing. So, um, my name is um, Minister Only Love Tika Alston, and I'm the founder of Prophetic World when uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny, a teaching ministry. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm also a member of Bethel, the House of Yahweh, which is a 66-year-old Messianic Hebrew congregation in the South Bronx under Pastor Jonathan Mickens. Oh, wow. And yes, it was started by his grandmother, and they're continuing to follow Yah's laws, statutes, and commandments. Um, as, as humbly as we know how, I was born in East New York, Brooklyn, but live in Harlem now. And um, at 10 years old, while I was in foster care and living with my grandmother in the projects of East New York, Brooklyn, I felt led to pick up one of her Bibles and pray morning, noon, and night. So no one really, mm. I went to church maybe twice in my childhood for christening and um a bible study but my you know father was in the nation of the five percenters my mother was an atheist and my grandmother stopped going to church long before i lived with her and so i did oh, wow. that for four yeah. years yeah i prayed morning noon and night and read the psalms and then at 14 i walked to a congregation in the community and accepted yeshua as my redeemer and my journey started 
I wanted to keep the Sabbath when I read about it, but my Sunday school teacher said, you're being too deep, only love. So I listened <laughs> to the the elder. Um, and then um, I, you know, ended up going to college and doing a lot of <laughs> um, ministry on campus and also getting involved in some things I shouldn't have. Um went to the number one party school in the country, Penn State. Oh, wow. And a lot of hate crimes <laughs> happened while I went there. Um, mm. One of my classmates was Nate Parker, the director of Birth of a Nation. I was just, oh. um, yeah, so there was a lot of turmoil while uh, my class was there. And what I noticed is none of the faith institutions really had an adequate answer for the racism we were going through, even the black churches. And so um, I took an African-American religious studies class and read God of the Oppressed by the late Dr. James Cone, and um, he's kind of called the father of black liberation theology. And in his theology, mm-hmm. he says um, Dr. James Cone, and he passed away last year, and he said, you know, God was black and Jesus was black and that God was on the side of the oppressed. Now, I know people don't, may not like the, you know, names. I, I use, you know, Yahuwah and Yahshua, but just quoting it how he wrote it um and so i ended up you know working after school but my professor in that class told me you should you know take dr conan for the first time i saw someone who could put the take the scriptures and actually show how they related to the reality of our people Mm. And excuse me, I have a little cold up here in New York, but um, I went okay. to, you know, um, theology school to study him and overall um, liberation theology, really inspired by Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 4. The spirit of Yahuwah is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Mm. But verses 3 and 4 say, once the poor hear the good news, they would rebuild their communities. And when I was reading that, I said, this sounds like a scripture for me and my people in East New York. And so I kept learning, you know, Yah is on the side of the poor. Yah has a preferential option for the poor, the poor in scripture, the poor wrote scripture. And the sad thing about liberation theology is they get real, they can get you real close to the truth. But instead of saying black or Africans or African-Americans, they say the poor, the poor, the poor, but who statistically around the world is the most poverty stricken. So that planted some seeds in my heart. But the I started writing for Christian magazines, planning Christian conferences, went to one of the best theology schools in the nation, um, um, you know, was very entrenched, was about to be ordained um, by a congregation on Park Avenue in New York. And, you know, everything mm-hmm. was about to marry a Lutheran pastor. Everything was going according to plan but we know there's times when y'all steps in and kind of wrecks your plan and so i actually stopped yeah and so i actually stopped wanting to observe the holidays but i was still doing it out of obligation to other people and one year i said i want to have a jewish christmas which for anyone from new york city you know the only things open on christmas is the movie theater and the chinese restaurant so when you say you want to have a Jew, a Jew Christmas, it means you don't want to celebrate Christmas. You just want to watch movies and and eat, you know, with your friends. Like you want to just totally opt out. Um, 
And so I began to question a lot of things. Why am I feeling agitated in church? What's going on? And I had a meeting with my, you know, former pastor who, you know, I still have a good relationship with, you know, almost everyone that I worked with within Christianity because, um, you know, when people can see that there's an integrity, um, none of us are perfect, but when people can see a certain level of integrity in your life and when you wake up and don't hit people over the head with it, you, you can maintain some relationships. So the, you know, pastor sat down, I told him what I was coming to as far as our people and the scriptures and, you know, and he said, oh, it's not all about race. He's, you know, African-American man, um, still have a lot of respect for him. But mm-hmm. I said, you know, with, we had a nice, you know, lunch. It wasn't a sloppy way to leave. But I said, you know, I wasn't going to continue with the ordination if I knew I wanted to worship on Shabbat. And so I was a faith-based, I'm a faith-based community organizer by profession, Um, even led a nonprofit um, doing faith organizing, helping to change legislation. Um, You know, that's what I do. I help um, faith leaders have a positive impact on public life. Um, and so I'm organizing people in congregations and synagogues and I have nowhere to go, but I'm still praying. Oh, wow. And I, in the Ruach said, you got to go back to what you did at 10 years old, because when mm. I dealt with you as a child, whatever the words said, you did it. But the more you got in the system of religion and tradition, the more you started putting man's opinion over my words. And so y'all had to take me all the way back to the spot of a little girl just praying and reading the word in my room now in Harlem, you know, and I, you know, had to, you know, I'm around Passover in in 2012. I did a two-week fast. And, um, you know, a few months prior to that, a brother stopped me on the street, gave me a paper about Deuteronomy 28 in the slave trade. And the Alstons are one of the top ten slave owning families in America. So that's why me and many other black people have that name. I've met family members in the awakening and so many of us. Um, and our oldest patriarch goes back to Nigeria, but they own the most slaves. So the slavery thing, we have a book, we have a documentary, it's been featured on Oprah, like the slave um trade is very real to my family. When I was in mm. theology school, I had to be in the same building with the white descendant of the Alston, oh, who's wow. actually now doing a documentary on reparations and, tr- and churches, Christian churches paying reparations. So he's actually doing his own work of repentance and um, actually supports what I do with Prophetic Whirlwind, believe it or not. Um, oh, wow. You know, so some of our... I'll praise Yeah. You. He asked me to help with the reparations documentary, too. I mean, some of our people doubt if we're the people, but when I, I mean, a lot of other nations that that are highly educated, they don't doubt this information. But um, his name is Reverend Matthew Alston, and people can look up the documentary and movie, Alston Family Name. So I say all of that to say the slavery thing was very real. And when he showed me the parallels, my mouth dropped open and I said, oh, God doesn't play because I was still saying God at that time. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm from Brooklyn, so we keep it real. that he really does not play. <laughs> and it was like a ton of bricks, but it made sense to me. Um, and I can remember sometimes as a child asking, like, 
are we cursed? Like, you know, because so many things, you know, um, I was wrongly taken into foster care. But that's addressed in Deuteronomy 28, I think 68, that your kids would be taken away. And now new evidence is coming out that there was money being exchanged for the kids taken into foster oh, care. So, yeah. and, you know, it was mostly Hebrew children. So my family had to reunite and grapple with that. Um, so Deuteronomy 28, you know, opened my eyes. But months later, after doing diligent research, I said, okay, y'all, this is true. You got to confirm it for me. So I fasted two weeks and the last day, about two weeks and the last day of the fast, my prayer partner, Danielle um, Parrish out of California, very anointed um, prayer warrior, um, healer, um, as far as healing ministry, she does praise dancing. She called and she said, I have something to tell you. And I said, well, I have something to tell you. And we both wanted to tell the other one that we were Hebrews and her boss actually told her at work and so what's special about Danielle being used to confirm it on the last day of the fast is that when we were in theology school um, Reverend David Jackson and Deanna Kelly two older um, you know so-called black students Hebrew students had a chapel service for us for our people Danielle mm -hmm. praised dance and we thought she went into the spirit like at that time we felt she got the Holy Spirit um, right. because she started speaking in another tongue. Um, Reverend David Jackson was actually the top Hebrew student, um, Professor Esther Hamori, who was an Orthodox Jewish woman who gave her life to Yahshua, fluent in Hebrew, doctorate in biblical studies. She said David was her favorite student, and David was basically fluent in Hebrew. So when Danielle came to, David said, have you taken Hebrew? And Danielle said, no, we're first years. We haven't taken it yet. He said, well, you were speaking in Hebrew when you, when oh, you went wow. into the spirit. And that was the person many years, not many, but a few years later that y'all used on the last day of that fast to confirm for me that we were the Hebrews. And now I'm like the y'all mother to her daughter. And so um, that's how I came into the truth. And because of, and of course, I, I started looking into the Hebrew tribes in Africa, which further mm -hmm. substantiated what scripture said, started looking for an assembly that kept the Sabbath. And my assembly is like a 10 minute drive from where I live, 10 or 15 minutes, very close. <laughs> but yeah. I started, um, I, the one thing I never dealt with from a little girl hearing Hebrews preach on the street was the 12 tribes chart. Never made sense to me. So if I've been your right. listeners, please forgive me, family. Um, and that was actually, <laughs> I knew of Hebrews, but that was actually a stumbling block because you have ethnic groups on the 12 tribes chart that are only 500 years old. And so it, it, it doesn't make sense. And so I said, right. no transatlantic slave ships docked from Israel. So if we were taken from Africa, we have to talk about how we got to Africa and they're still many of our people there and so right right and um, i actually just um I, just to interject real quick i actually just did a <laughs> a podcast on that um i think it's entitled who's your daddy mm -hmm. um, tra bi biblically tracing um the the uh the children of israel um mm -hmm. and looking at and my my words were because i don't i'm on the side of kind of like i don't I don't want to offend any of my brothers and sisters or, or shun them away mm -hmm. um so i will say that the 12 tribes chart may be helpful, but it's not accurate. 
mm-hmm. um, because I think the danger in that in the chart and as as you're saying in totally dismissing a whole people group is the opposite of that is not now you're starting to tell people that they're Israel when some of them aren't aren't and you're telling people yeah. that there aren't Israel when some of them when are. they are and yeah. those whole um, and you know there are Hebrews in Puerto Rico and some of right. them are Ephraim because they go back to Absolutely. the Yoruba people and the Yoruba have a branch called Bene Ephraim Mm-hmm. So there are Hebrews in all of those places, but not all of Absolutely. the people in those places are Hebrews. And then the exactly. dirty Hamite doctrine and all Africans are Hamites. Most Hamites are in East and North Africa, the places right. where many Hebrews, because folks have exotic looks, they will peg them Hebrews. Because a lot of us, we have um, self-hate issues. And some mm-hmm. of us are, you know, not seeking this Hebrew identity to repent to Yah and to find the truth, but to really deal with self-hate. So because we don't like the way um, Africans look, you know, and this is statistically studied, how people feel about darker-skinned people, whether African or in America, we don't want to accept them. But if you reject, but then you find a lot of proof that we are Hebrews there. And so um, I actually was invited, while in Israel with some of the African Hebrew Israelites, I was invited by Elder Cletus Okoro of House of Israel, um, Nigeria, and Yahweh Covenant Assembly, Nigeria, which Yahweh Covenant Assembly is a network of about 50 or 60 messianic congregations started by mm-hmm. a Yoruba, Ibu, and Hausa man um, in Nigeria. And so he invited me to come teach the women Torah. And in the fall of 2016, I went with him. We went to almost every Igbo state except for one. I was honored to meet Azieri, which he's like a royal of the Igbo people who can trace his lineage back to Ari, one of the sons of Gad. And all oh, wow. types of Jews visit him from all over the world um, and pay homage to him. But again, if you're saying, oh, everyone's a Hamite, then you'll miss that while the people who are pretending to be you are going and visiting him and getting their photo ops. <laughs> and learning oh, wow. information that can substantiate them, but you're rejecting him because you think he's a Hamite. Um, you know, was able to go to Ghana, um, to different parts of Accra where the Gazami tribe is. That's the that's a tribe made up of people from Gad and Dan. Um, was able mm. to go to um, Cape Coast where the slave castles were and saw a chapel that was over the slave dungeon. And the tour guide said, you know, the chapel is heaven, the dungeon is hell, you know, you can't leave heaven to go to hell. When we went in the chapel, oh, they, where the white people, the enslaved people would hear the, the white people worshiping um, their God while, you know, we were suffering below. They actually had a scripture from the Psalms about Zion. Almost, mm. um, I don't know if you have younger listeners who probably know about trolling. You know, like when you troll yeah. someone, like you, you, you know, <laughs> you, you'll mock them with something that they are or, you know, um, you know, do something to let them know you're mocking them in a slight right. way. So when I looked at that, I said, were they actually trolling the, the enslaved people by having that scripture about Zion um, up there? And so I learned so much, went to the Ashanti Kingdom. 
and oh, man. Um, was there when the queen mother died, and then a year later was there when they celebrated her life. They didn't keep her um, buried for a year, but they, you know, had her celebration of life, and queen mother is in scripture. It's called Gabara, and it's in um, King, First Kings and Daniel, if you, you know how to read the Hebrew um, when they were taking us into Babylon, that they, they took the king and his mother. Or when Bathsheba came to speak to Solomon, he said, put a chair at her right side. And so um, you can look up queen mothers in the Bible and you'll see where it's hidden in the Tanakh, um, the so-called Old Testament. And so right. um, also interviewed Ashanti people who said they know they came from Israel, the king's cousin the tour guide at the Palace Museum, and also was last summer back. I stayed for two months in Ghana, and all glory goes to y'all because I am nothing. I am chief of all sinners, uh, for, you know, poor girl from the from the hood. Um, anything that's good about me is all y'all because I should have been a statistic. Um, and so, you know, for me to, for y'all to even put me in these places is only his grace. Because he is the Elohim of the orphan and the widow. And so um, I, when um, I was seated at, um, there was this, um, this like, bar across the street from the palace. Forgive me, family, but someone, you know, that was helping me out said, just sit here and um, hang out. <laughs> and it was a table of tea. So I didn't get drunk. Minister Only Love didn't get drunk. Because <laughs> um, the emas that pray with me, they they'll hear this podcast. They might call them, or the emas at Bethel. But I did not get drunk. Um, but he said, you know, sit here. So I, I sat, and it was actually owned by a queen mother. And um, so I was at sat at a table with chiefs, and even a high chief. Now they don't know why mm. I'm there. <laughs> they don't know me from anything and they look one looks and starts talking to me and he has tears in his eyes and he says you know um you don't you people don't belong there i said i know and then oh, he wow. said you, he said you know we don't belong here either i you know mm. meaning the ashanti people i said i know he said we're from israel and he started crying and he said i just don't know why God did this to us. And I was God like, I couldn't, I couldn't do a video because this is like just, you know, I didn't know this was going to be said. And I, and I started telling him why I was there. And he's like, I have to speak to you. I have to speak to you. But it was other women at, you know, the table because, you know, the chiefs were doing what chiefs were doing. So there were right. other women. Um, <laughs> and, and he didn't turn to them and say that. He turned to me, and I think that that was the Ruach. And he said, we're from Israel. And he said, you people are too. Mm. And so this Man, is that's... things like that. I just say all praises to Yah. And I sadly got a report back that in the year of return, the palace is getting a lot of visits from European Jews. And there's um, a concern that they're trying to find out stuff about them. Um, and so we have mm. to pray for our family here, but we also have to pray for our family in Africa because um, Israel stationed five ambassadors in five different African countries, all where Hebrews are, and they did an ad campaign and said Israel's back in Africa, again with the trolling, 
Um, oh, wow. You know, they're putting it in front of our face. And I don't have hatred for any particular group of people. Ironically, you know, some of the first people to buy prophetic whirlwind were European people. So when I'm talking about different groups of people, um, I'm more so talking about, you know, people who are allowing the spirit of Hasatan to work through them. And that's not Absolutely. all people of every group. So I don't have hatred. I know through Yahshua, the stranger can cleave, and there are strangers cleaving and learning and even saying, you know, I did one of my first workshops in an Episcopal church, the oldest church in New York City, and at the end of the workshop, this white girl, blonde, sitting in the back crying, she said, those people in Israel are not the real people at the end of my workshop. And she was just crying. And, you know, the scripture says that they're going to say we've inherited, our fathers have inherited lies. Because, yes. you know, Hasatan yes. has deceived the whole world. And we got to move past the hatred, humble ourselves and know that we, you know, our ancestors and even us with our sins every day, we kind of um, brought this on ourselves. But there are scriptures that say the other nations went too far. And so we know that y'all is yeah. going to recompense, but if we get stuck in hate, then we don't elevate to be the priest to humanity that y'all meant for us to be. The enemy wants us right. to stay in a certain level of bondage. But when you know who you are, you you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to be Pollyanna because y'all is a y'all of justice, and I believe in justice. Right. But you also, we got to get past the the just the, the vibration of hatred and really get to a vibration of repentance and just trusting that if all this prophecy is coming to pass and people are finding out who they are, then Yah is going to, you know, recompense. But what we want to do is make sure <coughs> we're reconciled to Yah through Yahshua and living right. So when the judgments come down, we're not partaking, you know, Absolutely. we're not being swept away because one thing I will say is, this, um, you know, we, we got to make sure we don't miss the point because our ancestors knew their tribe. They had the Levites. Right. They had the temple. They had the perfect Hebrew. They had the right color blue for the fringes. They right. had their own <laughs> land, their own government, their own king, and they still fell. So, Yah, yes. all of keeping the commandments and all those things are great. But we also have to deal with the weightier matters of the Torah, which is our heart, our character, justice. And um, we have to make sure we don't get prideful in our identity, but that our identity mm -hmm. is really anytime y'all chooses you, he chooses you to serve. So you, you could be happy for a minute, but then you got to think about, okay, who is he calling me to serve if I'm a part of this nation that's preached to humanity? So. After about six years of studying, reading, going to Africa, Israel, I um, went to Nigeria, Ghana, Togo, could not get into Benin, um, Morocco, Israel, um, some places in the Caribbean and Europe. I um, was blessed that um, Reverend Leroy Barber, who's a, you know, he's a he Hebrew genetically, but he's a Christian pastor. He started okay. an imprint. So that our people could start writing, you know, our own books for the religious sector called Voices Publishing. Um, okay. And he knew me from my days in the church. 
and he saw what I was doing and he said, I want to sign you as the first book. And, um, and he, you know, lifts a lot, you know, to sign, to sign me. So I always want to give him and voices honor, pray for Reverend Leroy Barber. Um, he's seen a lot. Oh, and he said, you know, I want you to tell the truth. Of course, we had editors for grammar, and so the book wasn't 500 pages, but it wasn't edited for content. And he said, I want you to tell the truth. And he said, I'm not afraid because he saw so much being in white evangelical churches that, you know, right. he felt like we, we got to start correcting some of this stuff because he saw firsthand what um, the incorrect teachings due to our people in these churches and so I want to give him honor and his um his wife as well who just um Miss Donna who just published the book and keep him in prayer because there were a lot of um you know it's always you know the enemy will try to attack your health or different things so you know when you're stepping out but I'm grateful for him and so the book came out April 2019 around Passover and um, it's on Amazon, Kindle, and print. <clears throat> um, and in the book, I profile about 15 ethnic groups and tribes in Africa that have Hebrew origins. I couldn't profile all of them. But I also go into the book was really designed. Yes, I, I appreciate all the support from my Hebrew family. But it was also designed to wake up the, uh, our people who are in the church, our people right. who are doubting those scriptures totally and um you know so each chapter has questions prayer points and we go into what color was adam and eve where would the garden of eden have been we go into some genial um genetic tests that have been done on 2000 year old skulls from judea that, that mm. were published in the top israeli newspaper and they say when they did the facial the article is how black were the ancient israelites um, facial reconstruction will surprise you. And they took two wow. skulls, a man and a woman's skull from 2,000 years ago in Judea, who lived 2,000 years ago in Judea, Yeshua the Messiah. So these could have been his neighbors, his cousins. Right. They did facial reconstruction and genetic testing, and they said both skulls, these are their words, have black African features. And they wanted to say that because if they would have just said African people, would have said, oh, North Africans, like – Arabs who are mixed so they made it clear like sub-Saharan black African features and they said the woman's skull looked the features looked even more um black African than the man and that you know um then you see people commenting about the article oh those must have been servants but I said 2,000 years ago in Judea which Judea was kind of the hood I said those Hebrews living under Roman occupation there were some rich Hebrews like in Jerusalem But in Judea, most of the people at that time could not afford, you know, to hire help from another country. They just, you know, that was the, you know, time when we started to decline as a people. So I said, I don't really think um, that was the case. And so we go into that. We go into even um, the hidden Hebrew history of African-Americans, the fact that the founder of Kojic, Bishop Mason, Kojic yes. Church of God in Christ. My whole, the biggest, my whole family's Kojic. <laughs> it's the biggest black denomination in the world. But Bishop Mason for five years was a part of a Messianic Hebrew ministry that kept the Torah and taught that um, Yahshua and the um, Hebrews were black. 
And then he started Kojic, which is why they call their gathering convocations, which is why the women kind of dress similar to Hebrew women. Just without the head wraps, they have the hats. But as far as the modest attire, it's why, right. you know, Kojic has a lot of Hebrewisms, a part of it. And so this is And I will say, um, mm-hmm. just to interject a little bit, sister, I mm-hmm. would say that, uh, number one, the um, when they did the reconstruction, I think that's very important. Because we do have, um, and some of our listeners may not know, we have a lot of evangelical ministries that are printing books and telling people that the Romans of um, Yahushua's time and the Israelites were indistinguishable um, by color, mm-hmm. which we know that's wow. a lie. And they're printing that's books about true. that. Why well, I didn't um, know that. And also... Um, the founder of Kojic was also a lot of people don't know. He was um, influential to uh, Brother Ben Amin, who started the uh, community down in Demona, Africa. Some, took some took some of our brothers and sisters from Chicago and took them down to Demona. He was actually a disciple of Bishop Mason, so uh, that connection is pretty cool. Wow! So that that's like good to know, and I didn't know that they were printing those. Um, um those books but you know they're going hard throttle with these with this because of the awakening and it's really you know making them nervous and the sad thing is it used to be where christians were looking for the lost tribes because the thought is when the lost tribes start to reappear that it means yahshua is still to come so in jewish newspapers it could be um cover story about a tribe in Africa because, you know, they're wait they they're waiting they say for their Messiah to come. So every it used to be a time when people were more biblically literate where everyone was looking for the lost tribes. But now <clears throat> we have the replacement theology where people want mm. to try to replace and so they don't want us they don't want us to be found. And we know Yah doesn't lose people, but people lose people and we lose ourselves. Right. So that's what I know some people say, "Oh, don't say lost," but we are, we did get lost to our not to y'all, <laughs> but to ourselves and to each other. And plus, that's just a term that a lot of people know. And so, we really have to, in this time, have wisdom. I also go into how a lot of um, Hebrew rabbis helped Marcus Garvey. Um, the mm. the title of the book, Prophetic Worldwind, just. For clarity, I'm not a prophetess, but um, the prophetic <laughs> whirlwind, the whirlwinds in scripture, and it's either um, the it, it stands for the Ruach HaKodesh in gathering um, Yah's people, but um, it, it the whirlwind in scripture can either bring justice or it's like Yah's spirit, and so mm. we know that, or it can bring judgment. Um, but we know as we um, get lifted up that Babylon's going to fall. So the prophetic whirlwind is gathering out people, but then there's also going to be a judgment um, to the nations as well. And so I named it after the Marcus Garvey speech, Look for Me in the Whirlwind, because I was mm. born on Marcus Garvey Day. And oh, wow. um, in that speech, he's writing it from a prison, and he's talking about Yahshua being black, but he calls him Jesus. He's talking about our people connected to the Bible and how Yah is going to redeem all of us and redeem Africa. And in the book, we also bring out that Israel was physically connected to Africa until the Suez Canal was built by man and 
from in 1869. And the only reason Israel was severed from Africa was so we could have this canal that would um, bring – the canal was built for commerce and war. And so, you know, they separated Israel from Africa for that reason. But he's kind of prophesying in this letter, look for me in the whirlwind. And you can hear someone reading it on YouTube. And so I named the ministry after that. But if you look up whirlwind in the scripture, we can also see what it means. So it's not me, but it's the the ministry. And there's a lot of other nuggets we go into, a lot of other nuggets like, you know, uh, Marvin Gaye grew up in a Messianic Hebrew congregation. Oh, wow. um, but his father made Sabbath miserable, so he didn't want to keep it when he grew up. The woman gotcha. who sings the Black National Anthem, Lift Every Voice and Sing, and her mm-hmm. biography written decades ago, she says she first learned, learned of Passover from her grandfather, and she was alive in the 20s. So think about who her grandfather was wow. when he was born. She said he was a black Jew. And so even within our own African-American culture, we have prominent people outside of Sammy Davis Jr. They'll give us him because, you know, he's a comedian, not putting right. him down. But, you know, they'll give you the, right. the comedian. But they Harry Belafonte and all those. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. but they won't tell you about all these others who were, you know, in Hebrew ministries, not just Jewish, you know, converts, but in Hebrew ministries. And so we go into some of that. We go into, um, you know, um, Simon, the Niger, and um, his cousin, Apostle Mark. They were Levites from North Africa that went back and forth mm. between Africa and Jerusalem. And actually, Simeon, or Simon, when you look up the name in the Greek, Simeon is a Hebrew name, but when you look up the name in the Greek, like, because you know it's spelled Simeon or Simon, it actually mm-hmm. in the Greek means flat nose, and we know oh, wow. has. Mm-hmm. So within right. his name, they're <laughs> telling you that he's a, a, a black Hebrew, Simon the Niger. Right. They're, they're telling mm. you that, and so it's a lot of facts, and it's all um, to the glory of Yah. But it's also meant to be inspirational because what does all of this Absolutely. mean for our people getting justice, for our people getting redemption? So we end with you know, the good news or what I call the great news. The good news was Yahshua can redeem you. But the great news is you're a lost sheep who was found and Yahshua redeemed you. Um, And so we go into that because if we don't repent and if we don't take this and start um, serving our people and doing justice, then it's just for nothing. We're just feeling prideful and puffed up. So, we also go into um, what it truly means to cross over. We know Hebrew means to cross over, but what does mm-hmm. it truly mean spiritually? What was being illustrated by Abraham's journey? So um, those is a little bit of what the book touches on, and the ministry website is propheticworldwind.com, and we do have courses. Um, we pray, awesome. you know, as well for people. We um and we, you, um, tomorrow is the Wailing Women prayer call that started about four years ago. Um, and that's where the women of Israel can come together and pray for the needs of our people. And um, people gotcha. can go to womenoftheworldwind.com to sign up for that. But um, everything is just um, with the goal of our people not just knowing 
who they are. But for me, it's important that we know who we are and that we really have a personal relationship with y'all because it says all of creation is groaning and waiting for who the sons of y'all truly are. So this world is not going to get better till we get on point. And so all um, praises to y'all. And I'm not sure if you have any um, other questions for me. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, no problem. Thank you for calling in. I have, I just have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, I was doing, um, like I said, I was doing the, the podcast entitled, um, who's your daddy. Um, I forgot the subtitle, but, uh, one of my premises was that in our culture, um, we, we determine, hello? Yes, I'm still here, brother. Oh, you're still, still here. here. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> we, we, de- um, we determine our lineage our heritage through the father so we are Mm -hmm. we are patriarchal people Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. not like we do now where um i think the first question is not who's your dad is is who's your mom you know Mm -hmm. um even when we look in israel now the um the jewish people determine their jewishness by their mother or their grandmother not Mm -hmm. by their father or their grandfather now, when mm-hmm. you went to, um, and to clarify, because I'm, like I always say, I preference in my podcast, I'm not an expert. Um, I've, I've never left um, these United States of America. I've spent most of my life in the southern, the southern states in America. Uh, but just reading the scriptures, that's what I saw. So when you went mm-hmm. over there, when you were with the different tribes and different things, um, how were they set up? Are they still set up through the male, and do they still determine bloodline and lineage through the father? So that's good that you did that episode because I think sadly a lot of Hebrews are taking American racial constructs and applying it to the tribes of Israel. Like there's no one drop rule in Israel. I'm sorry, not trying to offend anyone. The one drop rule was created (laughs) in America and it wasn't even Mm -hmm. in other places in the diaspora. Like Brazil doesn't have a one drop rule. Cuba doesn't have, if you have one drop of black blood, you're black. And so we try to do that with the Hebrews. We cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's gotcha. why this, you know, it, I, I know this may be hard, but we, you know, when you talk about who's your daddy, like it wasn't determined by just, oh, that person has 10% Hebrew blood. They're Hebrew. Like there has to be a reckoning of the genealogies. Um, uh-huh. And so, you know, and among the most Hebrew tribes in Africa, they do, um, they are um, patriarchal in that the lineage is traced through the father. But I will say there are certain tribes like the Ashanti where the lineage is traced through the mother, but the culture is still patriarchal. But some people say they're a matriarchal tribe. I'm like, they're not matriarchal in that the woman is the supreme ruler, is the king, but the king becomes the king through his, um, the, um, like the king can have a son, but that son will never be king. It will be the son gotcha. of his sisters. So I think Americans see, oh, they trace things by the mother. They're a matriarchal culture. I'm like, I've lived there and been there multiple times. <laughs> They're not matriarchal. Now those queen mothers have a lot of power, but they respect the men, um, you know, not only in the palace, but in their lives. So I think, you know, we're assuming out of our Western lens, well, if there's queen mothers, that must be mean the women are, like, out of control. And I'm like, no, it's order. It's balance. Everyone right. knows 
you know, um, what they're to do. And I didn't see people being disrespectful. They still have traditional families. The men still lead. Um, but most of the tribes are um, patrilineal descent. And people have, rec- you know, colonialism has messed up a lot. But like the Ezi Airy, right. he has, you know, records of being connected to Airy. And people try to pass on things um you know, through oral history, but the father is very important. And like the father blesses you, he gives you identity. Um, even my father was a young father and he looked at me and he gave me a nickname that ended up being shortened to Chica. So people think, oh, when you went to Africa, they gave you Chica. No, my father <laughs> gave me Chica when I was born, not knowing what it meant. And but we laugh today because I do a lot of work with Ebos, um, a mm. lot of work, um, and 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 so by him speaking that name over me, he actually spoke my identity and my calling into me. So my mother and my aunt gave me my first name, which I um, treasure only love. But my father, you know, when he gave me Chica, my whole family on both sides, they call me Chica. They don't call me only love unless we're in public. <laughs> he spoke something, and that's the role of the father. And so Hallelujah. when you look at some of these people that are being put on the charts, not all the people in the country, but when you, you go back in the line of some of the fathers, the, the fathers may have been Spanish conquistadors and stuff like that. Right. And so we got to um, – I know some people get uncomfortable when we talk about this because they say, well, white men raped a lot of Hebrew women in slavery. But the thing is, y'all already knew what we would go through. So in Torah, it says after three or four generations, you know, even if your great, great grandmother was raped, which is horrible, if those, if her descendants just kept marrying Hebrew, it's fine. That's why a lot of us are waking up in this, in a certain age range. Because it, you know, it's the third or fourth generation from slavery. Um, but we, we do have to kind of go back to reckoning things by the father because I think the enemy doesn't want people to know who their daddy is so that exactly. things can be mixed up. So we got, we, you know, we, um, we have to kind of go back to biblical culture yes the mother is extremely important sometimes in israel we Mm -hmm. we can say we're not like the jews we don't reckon it through the mother but then we totally act like the mother doesn't matter the mother um you know does you know does matter um but the um but the um but the the father matters too and we can't allow this culture to kind of get us away from that we have Absolutely. to do things by y'all's culture. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and that's, I had a, unfortunately was having a conversation. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't tell people who they are, who they aren't. I just tell yeah, them, do the, don't, I, I tell them, don't be lazy with the research. That's all I tell them. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I assumed I was, but I don't have a great relationship with my biological father. So I don't know that bloodline history. So I said, I mean, for all intents and purposes, my, I mean, I, I could be a Hamite. I didn't know. Um, so I said, well, let me do the research. Let me do the DNA test. Let me go back. And, you know, DNA test came back, and, you know, I'm, I'm like 31% Nigerian, the other part. All right, so let me get in. Um, 
let me get in one last question. Well, I would say, let's finish what I was just saying. I got the DNA test, came back, and I'm from Nigeria for the most part, Benin, Togo area. Um, and then most did, uh, with Ancestry anyway, they updated periodically. Um, and I also took my raw DNA from that and dumped it into a database, which a lot of listeners are probably paranoid about that and whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, I mean, everybody's already confederate against us anyway, so whatever they want to do with my DNA, they're going to do it anyway. So it's whatever. <laughs> um, and then that's when I found out that I'm, I'm a, only a few uh, generations away from um, some Igbo, um, and some Yabora as well. Uh, and there was some, oh, wow. and some way down in my DNA strand, there was um, traces of Ethiopian Jews. So when I saw that, wow. I said, Ethiopian Jews, so I had to look that up. I was like, oh, man, that is, I mean, I was, I was almost in tears. I was telling my wife. I was so happy. Um, I was like, man, ain't nobody, can't nobody tell me nothing no more. <laughs> um, but in that, I just let people know, hey, listen, do like if you want to tell Brazilians they're the people, that's true. There are some people in Brazil that are the people, uh, but there are also some people in Brazil who their fathers trace back to Spain and Portugal. They're not they're not from the transatlantic slave trade. They were the slavers. They weren't the slaves. Um, oh wow! So I think that's so I think that's important. <laughs> now, one last question, um, because actually my wife wanted me to ask you this question, so. She would, she would get mad at me if I didn't ask you. Um, I think she asked a lot of people this. In your opinion, uh, with your, uh, you know, vast knowledge and your travel and just um, weaving in and out of different assemblies or whatnot, in your opinion, what, what should we be doing as a people right now? So some people say we should, you know, um, I have some of my elders who are up in a mountain in Tennessee they have 30 acres of land. They grow and eat their own stuff. Um, I wouldn't say they're secluded, but they're just they're kind of waiting for the end, right? Uh, then you have people say, you know, we need to be in a city. We need to be on the streets. We need to be preaching. We need to be – some people say we need to be homesteading. It's, you know, all these different things. Um, and all of them could be true all at the same time. But what, in your opinion, what do we need to be doing as the people to, to be preparing for the, for the coming of Yahya's son? So I think – you know, each person first needs to reconcile to Yah through Yahshua and develop their mm -hmm. own personal relationship with him so that the Ruach HaKodesh can teach you what you need to do at this time. Oh, yeah. um, that's the first thing I want to say, um, getting into the scriptures, praying and fasting, being delivered. I think prepping is great. My Maury and his wife teach it. I have two bug out bags, you know, all of those good things. Um, but if you're not, if your character is not strong um, through the Ruach, made strong through the Ruach HaKodesh, when, every, when certain things happen, you'll lose everything you prep. And even mm. if you go off it somewhere to homestead, there, just know that, you know, the enemy can still get to you. So you have to have a personal relationship with y'all it's not to say that it's not good to grow your own food because um it's not you know not to say it's not good to have land but if we are um not tending to um our relationship with y'all and having him build up our character and tell us in particular mm -hmm. what we need to do during this season we could follow the crowd 
and the crowd could be in y'all's will for their life, but you could be out of your will, out of his will. Mm-hmm. So you go to that homestead community and you're not supposed to be there. And the community was peaceful, but now you put the community in a Jonah situation when he was on oh, the wow. ship and they had to toss him to the well. <clears throat> because, you know, not all of us are called to go to the mountains because only a small percentage of our people are awakened. Even gotcha. to know their identity, mm-hmm. not to mention keeping the laws, statutes, and commandments. So um, I always say the safest place to be is in Yah's will. I think some of us are trying to find where's the safest place to be to avoid the coming judgment. But it said, you know, a thousand will fall at your right hand and a thousand at, you know, your left side. But Yah will keep mm-hmm. the, the righteous. But if you're not um, under the the in the in the secret place, if you're not in personal relationship with him, you could go somewhere and it still not end up well. There are many people, even in Israel, who went to communities and it was still bad things going on. Why? Because people, unregenerated people fled somewhere. But right. what I'm trying to say is some of us are trying to physically leave Babylon, but Babylon is entrenched in us. That's why they mm, go to a village good. in Africa where they've hardly ever seen a white person. They've never even seen a light-skinned black person. And the girl has a weave to, you know, uh, a 16-inch weave and knows every Beyonce song. Wow. Or I can even visit African Hebrew, you know, black communities in Israel. And the girls are talking just, and the guys are talking just like the kids in the projects in Brooklyn. Wow. I mean, you can go to villages and find now, it's sad, you can find unwed mothers in villages in Africa, all the same. I mean, people even moving their hands the same as, you know, someone in Brooklyn. And so some of us, we're trying to move our physical location, but we're not, um, we're not moving closer to Yah. And so I'm not against, like I said, land. My assembly believes in all of that, and we're making plans, um, you know, and already have things in motion. But what I'm saying is you we have to undergo a deliverance from this captivity because Babylon is now entrenched in us. And wherever you Absolutely. go, they take you with you. Um, and so I think right now is a time for repentance, learning um, Yah's word, not what someone told us. Because I see many people say, in the church, I didn't question anything my pastor said. And now people are coming into the awakening with the same church mentality. They don't. Everything I said on this call tonight, be a Berean, study it. You read the book, there's about 20 sources at the end of each chapter, plus scriptures all throughout. Check my sources. See if I'm using the scriptures right. Be a Berean. Because I'm not the Ruach HaKodesh. I'm just a, a servant um, sharing what I'm learning like everyone else. And so um, we have to make sure in the awakening that we're taking responsibility for our own relationship with the Most High. Because a lot of us got duped in churches and in mosques because we were handing over, we were looking for someone else to be in charge of our personal relationship with Yah instead mm. of seeking him, you know, ourselves. Absolutely. So thank you so right much. Now, yes, yeah, thank go you. Ahead. And I would say right now is a time for repentance. Um, mm-hmm. 
that's what we should be doing right now, really examining yourself, family generational curses. Um, all of our families had a role to play in Israel falling. You found out you're a Levite through DNA testing. Guess what? The Levites weren't on point. That's why the nation fell. You found out you Absolutely. were from Judah. Guess what? The kings and the queen mothers weren't on point of Judah. That's why we fell. So it's really a time of examination and repentance. And of course, plan, you know, have a bug out bag, have a, you know, have a plan. And even if you feel mm-hmm. led to move or to get land, do that. But make sure you're doing it um, led by Yah. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you for that insight. Uh, that was um, that was awesome. Uh, thank you for the work that you're doing and the awakening um, with all the brothers and sisters across the world. Um, and for one last time, sister, let let the listeners know um, how they can find you, um, where they can get the book, uh, as well as um, how they can support. Yes, thank you so much for having me and all praises to the Elohim of Israel. Everyone can connect with me at propheticworldwind.com. I do, um, it may take me a little time, but I do try to respond to um, the e- all the emails that are sent to me. And you can also um, find the book on Amazon um, in Kindle and print edition, Prophetic Worldwind, Uncovering the Black Biblical Destiny. And thank you so much again, brother, for all you doing for having me on. Oh, no problem. Thank you, sister, for calling in. Um, have a blessed one, and uh, be safe out there. Yes, thank you so much. You and your family be safe as well. All right, thank you. This has been another episode of Jacob's Seed Podcast. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe and share with family and friends. And as always, seek truth, live it out, and inform others. Shalom.